Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Throat Punch Monday. I am really excited for the new guest today, but first, I am Leah. This is Lynn. We are your veteran trash talk gals with Throat Punch Monday. Super excited for another episode today. And we have today, our guest is Kelly the Sark. We're going to get into some really juicy stuff with Kelly in a little bit. I actually, I, I was, we were talking earlier and I don't remember exactly how we connected on TikTok, but we connected on TikTok. Kelly the Sark, you can check her out. She has some incredible TikToks, information about sexual assaults things that you can do um, if you are put in that situation, some of the uh, rights that you have, all kinds of good stuff that we're going to get into. So really excited to have Kelly on our show tonight. Before, since we're talking about that and, you know, we were all sharing our, some of our stories about our instances and um, maybe one day we'll share more detail if we don't get into it tonight we'll see we'll see how things go and how comfortable everybody it's is unfortunate that we have stories to share like that though yeah, absolutely yeah. and like lynn says all the time it's three out of four females in the military now have been assaulted in their time in service so we're going to talk a little bit about vanessa Gian to start off and the vanessa Gian gate that um the gate that was dedicated to vanessa Gian at Fort Hood. There's been a lot of talk about this. I mean, this happened several months ago where they dedicated that gate to her. And if you aren't familiar, Vanessa Gian disappeared last year and her mother knew something was wrong. Her instincts kicked in because Vanessa had talked to her all the time. And then she disappeared after complaining about somebody harassing her at work. And, um, they ended up finding her and she had been brutally murdered, dismembered, and the military tried to hide it as far as we know. So um, there is a gate that's been dedicated to her at Fort Hood. And there's, like I said, there's a lot of back and forth backlash, people saying that it's not enough. And there are people are angry that that's all we get is a gate in her name. And some people are saying that it is a step in the right direction. But Lynn was so good to uh, put some information here that I'm going to share a little bit with you. Uh, Fort Hood's commanding general, Lieutenant General Pat White III said it would lead to the 3rd Cavalry Regiment area where Guillen serves. So it's not the main gate, which some people are very angry about, by the way. It also uh, access. It's also accessed by thousands of soldiers, civilians, and families every day. That is so important, he says, and it was very symbolic. They explained to us how they are putting this gate outside, and if you walk a straight line, you walk into Vanessa's barracks. Uh, it's important that we walk the straight line. We never let this happen again. So, uh, I do. I think that's pretty cool. I think a lot of people that were that just know that it's not the main gate are like angry about that. But if they knew the full story, they would maybe have a better appreciation for that. Cause that is really nice to know that, you know, they put that thought together, but Lynn, I'm going to pass it over to you with some of your thoughts on that. I mean, it's a great sentiment to honor Vanessa Guillen. And I mean, what would they have done if hundreds, if not thousands of us military women came together with that hashtag, I am Vanessa Guillen would they have actually done something? You know what I'm saying? Because three out of four women and this happens to us, like what is the military actually doing? So people are angry because there needs to be more. I mean, this bill that is still on the Senate floor, it was reintroduced, 
by, um, let me see, it's called the Military Justice Improvement and Increasing Prevention Act of 2021. And the sponsor is Senator Gillibrand Kristen from New York. And I think she's also, um, she's a veteran. And, um, and she introduced that bill before, and it didn't get a lot of um, support. And so she re- reintroduced it. And so it got voted for, for it to actually pass to go to Senate, which is great. But why did it, you know, why did it have to take a huge movement for, for us? Like it, and also at Fort Hood, this has been happening. There's killers on there. People have been getting murdered. I mean, I remember that year. They, I don't know how many bodies they found that year on that base. I mean, if, if we're on a ship and there's somebody who misses what we call muster, we do a man overboard, like right away to count your people. You count your people and then somebody's missing or gone. We're doing a whole entire action search and rescue involving all kinds of assets to find that person. What's going on in the army that they can't do that? What is going on that they can't? And we do something called FOD walkdown, foreign object detention, de- detected, whatever walkdown, where we make sure that the air, like when I was on an aircraft carrier, this picture back here, um, you have to walk every little inch and look at every little inch to make sure there's no objects or debris there so that the airplanes, you know, won't like slide off the ship. It's very important. How come that's not being done on army bases? That's number one. Like, yes, legislation is great, but there still needs to be more done in the military, in the army bases. I mean, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like what's going on there, you know, but either way, um, let me get off that route. <laughs> Texas law did go into effect um, September 1st. It's called the I am Vanessa Gillen Act. Um, and so, of course, that's going to be reintroduced to con- Congress for consideration. So um, Vanessa Gillen's from Houston. And so they passed that act. And that act would um, let victims in the military report these harassments to officers outside of their chain of command. And the act was delayed in April 22 after advocates of the bill wanted to wait until completion of the investigation. So it's been a lot of hoops to jump through, but we're jumping through them slowly by slowly. So back to you, Leah. Well, and you know, I, it's, we need, there, there is some action being taken to not only have it to where people can report outside of their training command, but we need somebody outside of the military. And that is something that's being worked on. I know, but it's taking too long. We need people outside of the military looking at these cases because way too many times it falls into that good old boy system and it falls to the wayside. And I hate to go down this rabbit hole, but I feel like I really need to bring this up. Um, But when I was in California, I actually got fired, fired from my position in the S2 because I had a brand new soldier come in. She was very pretty. She was real upbeat, but I noticed over time she started like really pulling back. She wasn't coming to work. Like she wouldn't show up. Like, and I was like, what is going on? And this was in the time that I was pretty mean, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of patience for my soldiers doing wrong. You know, like I would bend over backwards for you if you just followed the rules, but if you did the wrong thing, I'm like, man, and I, you know, my Insta wasn't a mom yet or anything, but I pulled her in and I was like, what is going on? She then reported a sexual assault to me. I was the victim advocate at the time. 
So immediately, you know, I mean, I asked her exactly how she wanted to handle it, restricted, unrestricted. I took her to CID, like we took care of her, but they definitely victim blamed her. And, you know, I ended up like, I was getting ready to change jobs and transition away. So they started sending me to the field to like learn my new job. And this corporal was in charge of this girl and she didn't show up. And I would, I would text, you know, text the corporal every day and check in like, how'd everything go today? Blah, 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 blah. And there was one day when that girl didn't show up to work. And I said, what do you mean she didn't show up? And she goes, I don't know. She didn't show up. And I said, where is she? Cause I was really worried for her. And she's like, I don't know. Like this E7 had told her not to worry about it. I said, no, no, no. No, you worry about it when somebody doesn't show up. Like, where is she? So I started texting all of the other soldiers trying to find her. You know, one of the soldiers did find her. She was okay. But I'm like, I was, I'm talking to this corporal. I'm like, you don't do that. You don't leave a fallen person behind. You, you check on them when they don't show up. And she goes, well, it's not my problem. I'm not her babysitter. I said, matter of fact, you are her babysitter. If you want to be an NCO, you are her babysitter. That's what your job right, is. Exactly. Make sure that yeah. She comes to work that she's doing. Okay. She does things properly. You train her. Right. That's what your job is. So we, we got, I got, I got a question. Sorry. Um, with the army, do you guys not muster like go in formation in the morning? Like, or oh, you yeah. just willy nilly just walk in and be no, like, and oh, that was, so it's not here. That <laughs> was all part of the Vanessa Gian case. Right. Okay. That was absolutely part of it. She didn't show up to accountability formation. Okay. And you know, the thing is, yeah, we do have protocols for that. You know, you have your six six zero six zero six thirty PT formation, which is accountability formation. And uh, I remember reading in part of the report where, um, not sure what y'all call on the Navy side, but you know, we have charger quarters or staff duty where you have a non-commissioned officer, somebody that has stripes on their chest that are supposed to go do their rounds, just as you mentioned. Um, very similar to what, similar to what y'all do, but what came out was that, oh, well, uh, staff duty failed to do their checks properly Mm -hmm. or this, the NCO went to check on her and said that she was accounted for. So I don't know what happened to that NCO, but there should be hell of accountability on that soldier or that NCO Mm -hmm. who falsely accounted for somebody. It wasn't negligent. It was straight up false. Right. Which who knows what happened to that NCO, but I can see what happened to my chain of command. Absolutely nothing. And I went to the E7 that told the corporal that she didn't need to worry about it. And the corporal told me, cause I said, I said, she could be dead right now. And she goes, "Mm, I don't care if she's hanging from the rafters. That's one that's less paperwork I have to do. And I was cool. She doesn't need stripes. I said, I'm sorry. Like This was an NCO. She was a corporal. So she was an oh, okay. E4. So like the army is a little different. And usually if you're not combat arms, um, then you don't make corporal. But somehow like somebody liked her in Korea, I guess. So she made corporal. And because so we have like two E4 ranks, right? So mm-hmm. there's specialist and then corporal E4. And the corporal E4 is like a more special type of rank. You get paid the same, it's the same rank, but you're treated like an NCO. Whereas okay. if you're specialist, mm-hmm. you're not really treated like an NCO. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of get it. So she was like, well, I'm not corporal. I'm and I'm like, I'm going to rip those stripes off your chest. 
that it is not okay. And the E7 was telling me to mind my own business. So I went to my S2, who was a major, and he told me to mind my own business. And so I went to the chaplain because I was like, somebody needs to do something about this. Like she can't just not show up to work. Right. What year is this? Well, this would have been in 2000, uh, 2009. Okay. So what happened was I went to the chaplain. I was stressed out because nobody was listening to me. He like talked to people Um, they got their little hands slapped or whatever. And then my major pulled me aside and told me I was not a team player. I was not, um, I I had no integrity and I was fired from the S2 and to find another job. So terrible. There is a problem definitely in the army. And so like when this happened with Vanessa Guillen, um, like not only did memories of my own sexual trauma come back and my assaults, but memories of, of that girl, because I have always worried about her since I left, you know, um, because they, they dropped the ball and then they kicked me out from having any sort of control over like looking after her or anything. So that could have very easily happened to her. And we lived out in the middle of the desert, people, disappear and get eaten by coyotes all the time out that way you know (laughs) so um you know that's definitely a problem in the army it is like I would never ever ever want my daughters to join the army I mean especially a major you told a major what is that a 04 03 04 yeah yeah um they need they're supposed to be responsible for everybody they're the ones who's supposed to take everything those are your field grade officers I don't get it yeah and listen I was his golden child before that he thought I could do no wrong. Yeah. And then it turned out to, cause he was buddies with that E7 from a prior duty station. And that E7 was like non-existent, you know, as a leader, they would just disappear and go have a good time so together. I wonder like if they were trying to cover something up or what, like, I don't understand. That's really weird and odd. Well, I think in that case, they probably were just like, eh, whatever, right? Because the corporal didn't know what happened to that soldier because it wasn't really any of her business, right? But the major did. He knew because I was that girl's first line and then I reported to the major until the mm-hmm. second. So they knew. So, so they you would knew. be like in, in, in the Navy terms, you would be LPO the E seven is our chief. And then the major is like the division commander, department commander, department head or whatever. So they knew that she had been assaulted. They knew that she was having depression and anxiety issues and that sort of thing. And they just swept it under the rug. So, but that being said, I feel like we're going down this huge (laughs) rabbit hole. I want to introduce Kelly. So like I said before, I, I found Kelly or she found me or we found each other on TikTok and she is a Sark as a civilian now. And I'm going to let Kelly tell her story. Um, and you know, with her time in the military, cause she's also a veteran and now she serves veterans and active duty military in a big, big way. And so Kelly, before I just go on some other kind of tangent, let's get you introduced and tell us more about yourself. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm really glad to be here. You know, we've been chatting for a couple months about finally doing this. Uh, my attention span sucks. 
Um, and I just like to just fill my schedule with everything I can. And I'm glad to finally calm down a little bit and really get to spend the time with y'all today. Um, so I did 20 years and 25 days. So I retired <laughs> just, just a smidge over that's exceeding the standard. So, um, so, um, what's that? We told you to exceed the standard in the overachiever, no. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, by 25 days. So yeah, right. there you go. <laughs> but, um, so retired, uh, not quite two years ago. Um, I was it by trade. I came in the army at 17. So I'm very fortunate to get my first retirement check before I hit the age of 40. So that was very exciting to me. Um, so IT by trade, but uh, I want to say the SHARP program, so Sexual Harassment and Assault Response Prevention Program, uh, didn't really come into place until, I want to say, until about 2009. And, um, you know, of course, I had the regular training, but uh, 2013, uh, while I was a drill sergeant, I became a credential victim advocate. So uh, this was before the whole change was, and that was, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, we talk about being those hard chargers and especially as a drill sergeant, you know, like, Hey, I'm an asshole, you know, like that's just, that's just how it goes. Um, but you know, you really had to learn how to like, when to take that hat off and say, Hey, if there's a problem and you need to talk to me, I'm here, you know, but if you're doing something wrong, I'm, I'm going to correct you, <laughs> but, um, just learning the right time to be empathetic and let soldiers know that, Hey, uh, when it comes to sexual harassment and sexual assault, like I, I am here for you. Absolutely. Um, but if they're sucking at weapons call, that's a different thing. I'm, I'm going to let them know and make sure to train them. Right. Um, so uh, like, I, I'm not going to go too far into the details, but uh, when I was on the trail, I went through an assault. Um, and this is where, you know, like I was like super, I felt, I felt like I was the super alpha female, like, I have street smarts. I have all this stuff. I, I know everything about prevention and all this other stuff that we learn about the Sapper and Sharp program that nothing can happen to me. Well, even as a victim advocate, like you don't have your, your teal awareness cape on and there's no invisible shield that stuff can happen to you because it still can. Uh, prevention is never 100% guaranteed. Um, so it, it did take some time, but um even before this, I really did care about uh, sexual harassment and assault prevention and response, obviously. Um, I really just fell in love with the field. So I did this as a collateral duty or kind of like part-time thing uh, while I was in the service until about, goodness, maybe 2016, 2015, 2016. And uh, I had moved on to an assignment. You know, of course, I went through this this traumatic experience. Uh, there was a conviction in my case. Um, it, I don't think you can ever be a hundred percent recovered, but I think I'm, you know, I'm well in a place now where I have control. You know, I feel like I have much more control over my thoughts, my feelings, my actions. Um, so I just feel super lucky that, uh, I took an assignment in Georgia and, um, I was, uh, instructor at the time. And, uh, there was, I saw an email to interview for a full-time sexual assault response coordinator. And like, man, you know, this is what I want to do. I already knew the team, um, because my case was transferred to Georgia. Um, so I knew like, if I get selected for this position, I know this team is awesome. 
because they took good care of me. Um, I was just so lucky that I was selected for the job as a full-time SART. And I remember uh, before I even interviewed, my Sergeant Major pulled me into his office and he's like, hey, if you interview and take this job, you're never going to get promoted to Master Sergeant or E8. So I'm like, meh, that's fine. I don't care because I need to, you know, the Army isn't a lifetime career uh, or any military branch. So there's always life after the military. Um, and that's the part that I want to be in control of. Um, so I'm just so fortunate that I told that Sergeant Major tactfully, I don't care because this is what I want to do. This is my heart, my passion. And I got the job. And uh, when I moved to Fort Carson, I continued on uh, with serving as a sexual assault response coordinator. And while retirement was not an easy process by any means, I felt like I was super like, you know, like alpha female strong, you know, I have everything planned out. Not one thing I had planned worked. <laughs> so uh, definitely not an easy retirement process, but uh, I ended up landing a job uh, as a sexual assault response coordinator uh, for a army reserve organization in Houston. Um, so I, I really like being in Houston. I honestly don't venture out much, but when I look at that, so I was mentioned earlier about Vanessa Gian. So Houston is Vanessa Gian's home. Um, so especially if I'm traveling outside of Houston, I honestly don't know the roads or anything very well, but it always touches your heart when you pass one of the murals with her. You know, this obviously it's horrible and heartbreaking what happened to her, but there's different ways that we can honor her. And she always has a place, I'm sure, in all of our hearts whenever we see a reminder. So yeah, that kind of that's kind Absolutely. of me summed up. So Absolutely. So I have some like random questions. Yeah, no, of course. But when you so when you were a drill sergeant, where what what base were you in? Uh Fort Jackson. Okay. And then where Plus, were you in Georgia? Uh Augusta. Fort Gordon. Yeah, there we go. Forget like, yeah. That's where I ended my time. We'll have to talk about that place. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> that ruins ruined my rest of my career. I was like, nope, never. Uh, Fort Gordon. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I, see, so I just was curious. But yeah, so like yeah. with Vanessa, and you know, we talk about like we talk about that gate and everything. Yeah. You know, I think it's good for us to be able to see her, to say her name and yeah. to have her as the face of what we're doing moving forward and making strides in this. Yeah. There's a lot of work that needs to be done for sure. Yeah. And, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I want to say that she didn't die in vain and that her legacy will live forever. And if there's something that we can learn from her, it's that she talked to her mom, you know, and it doesn't have to be your mom, but like, right. I, it's heartbreaking to me, like, especially as a mother now, but also comforting to know that like her mom knew immediately, like something's not right you know, and then she started being into it because Vanessa was like, she didn't talk to people amongst her, but she spoke right. to outside, if that makes sense. And so, yeah. you know, I would, I would use that as a lesson to like, make sure that you're communicating because the thing is, oh. is like with my mom, I never told her anything bad about what yeah. was happening to me, you know? 
Like I could have yeah. disappeared off the face of the earth. She wouldn't have known for a long time because I mean, I talked right. to her, but you know, if I went a couple months without talking to her or whatever, like she would just be like, well, she must be busy kind of thing, you know? Right. So anyway, yeah. Kelly, um, so tell me like with, so you work for a reserve unit in Houston now, um, full time. Yes. At Park. Are you mm -hmm. at Ellington Field? I am. <laughs> That's where me and my husband met. <laughs> well, we didn't meet there. We used to work at NOSC Houston. Yeah, back in 2010. Oh, that's, that's the building I'm in. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I live. I lived right there in Bay Area Boulevard, right by NASA. So okay, <laughs> in Clear yeah, Lake. So you're you were right down the road. So yeah, uh, yeah. I found a yeah. place right off of Highway Three because the first oh, thing I heard about Houston was traffic. Was like, mm -hmm. oh man. But I found this yeah. place, so it's yeah. ten minute drive. So yeah, See, that's I a good area. World. Great area. I know, right? Like yeah. My I was like, are you in Ellington you View? Be, <laughs> yes. My question for you was going to be, where the hell do you meet on Ellington? It's, it's such a small well, There we, you go. Everyone well, else, we okay. didn't really meet there. We met at a bar, which is a different story. But oh, I mean, so we good. ended up, okay. <laughs> and, and to find out, we worked in the same building. So. <laughs> oh, how cool. That's yeah. really cool. See, I moved yeah. from the Woodlands to Florida. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yes. The Woodlands, um, or Woodlands is nice. I yeah. have a friend that lives up there, but, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say where I'm at. It's like in the middle, like it's Our, definitely Woodlands not the Woodlands, is, but it's Woodlands not is like an either, hour so. away. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fireman in Houston and I was like, I'm okay. down in Houston. Like, so where am I going to go? When everybody that I knew that was in that area was like, you need to move to the Woodlands. I'm like, all right. So that's where we went. So that's so uh, nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so pretty up there. Uh, um, so Kelly, like, what do you, what do you focus on? Like, because with your TikTok, you're obviously not just mm -hmm. talking to the people around you in Houston area. Yeah. What is your focus and what are your goals with your job and like using social media with what you do? Yeah. So my, my whole thought process was, and like, I am no, like me, I think I might need to take like a social media marketing class or something because you'll, you see like all the TikTokers and I'll try to learn from them and like consistency and this, have your thing, whatever. And probably the one thing that you see in all my videos is like this here, but you yeah. know, that that's it. I think um, that you have tons of videos though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually started following you today. <laughs> okay. Well, th thank you. <laughs> but, um, so my big thing is, um, so when we're looking at, you know, how many times are we here? Like sapper or sharp training sucks. You hear it all the time. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you say, hey, training sucks. So what do you think would make it better? Tell me what you think would make it better. Because, you know, I think everybody can be in a position of influence. But um, I, I think maybe even being a leader or being behind a camera helps. Mm -hmm. So if I can get more feedback from soldiers and you look at um, our high risk demographic for sexual assault would be those 18 to 24 ranks E1 to E4 and first term soldiers. So th those are the, that's the demographic that I, I really want to, to hit and get that feedback from. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't really navigated that whole like, okay, how to really reel them in. Okay. Hashtag army, you know, so I'm still <laughs> yes. really working that piece. Um, you can only put so thing, many hashtags you know? on TikTok also, like right? there's and, a character uh, yeah, limit. So, 
Yeah. And like, I don't want to do whatever is like the coolest trend thing because that's not going to reach the audience I want. You know, I'm trying to be very specific. Um, so that, that's, that's going to take time. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not connecting with soldiers through social media, you know, it needs to be in person, just, just having those conversations, um, you know, and COVID, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't completely remove that, but it does cause like a little bit of a, a little bit more of a challenge, you know, like going from, you know, active duty to now on the reserve side. So I'm like, Oh shit, what's a battle assembly. Oh, well maybe I need to be at the battle assembly. Cause that's where the soldiers are going to be for their training. So just, you know, have a meet and greet, have those conversations. But I just, the biggest thing is I want to make sure that I'm attentive to what the soldiers have to say, you know, and, you know, I think social media is very helpful for that. You know, I had a friend who was like, really, you're going to do TikToks on Sharp? That's going to go well. So I'm like, mm, I'll try. <laughs> so <laughs> how, how, how long have you been actively doing it? Like, when did you actually oh, start doing consistent videos? Was it this year, was, last year? I was going to say consistent. I still haven't done that yet, but um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> but I would say, I think I started it back in March. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I just look at, you know, you know, what applications or what forms of social media are soldiers using? And a lot of the, a lot of the, of course I passed it. I talked to my legal, I talked to my PKO, like, Hey, uh, is this something I can legally do? And like, yeah, just don't represent the organization or don't trash the army like crazy. Or whatever. So cool. I can do that. Like we all have we all the things, you know, just, <laughs> but, um, yeah, just like I'm not representing my command. That was probably yeah. the biggest thing. So I think that's really unique, though, because then like the younger soldiers or whoever you're talking to, they can kind of relate. And that's one of the media outlets that they mainly use is the TikTok. Right. So, so that's really neat. You have to find Instagram a way to TikTok. connect. Right. Well, Facebook is like Facebook is like for that's for, for millennials and exes and boomers. Forties, you know, it is like, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. then like the Zoomers and Gen Z's, they're like on TikTok and I don't even know Twitch whatever that is. Yeah, like I, who knows? I, I think I've heard the name, but I have no idea what it is. So Snapchat. Yeah. You yeah. know what, what I love about what you're doing, Kelly, is that you're not only, you, you know, you are where they are, right. but you're showing your personality too. Like you have some really great information that's helpful so people can come and learn. And that's one of the things that TikTok is yeah. really for. Like I've learned some really cool stretches on TikTok where I'm like, oh, well, oh right yeah yeah definitely so definitely. You know, there there really is like I mean when I got on TikTok this year I was that old lady that was like what why am I getting on TikTok and then I get right. sucked in and so yes so I love that like you are showing your personality so as people find you and you know they get to know you and they're going to be more yeah. comfortable talking to you over time right. I mean exactly and you're creating a relationship with people that you don't even really know Absolutely. because you're showing your personality like I love that you did I don't even I can't even um pronounce that blepharoplasty blepharoplasty oh my blepharoplasty yes Yes. So I don't know is it that yeah so this I think it's that one yeah so you can still see a little bit of redness so, and that's one of the things, and like, I just couldn't, um, 
like I, I'm not 100% sold on it. So, uh, and this was part of my uh, MST. It was like, okay, well, uh, something to do. Like I have a twitchy eye, I get Botox for it, but it started getting so bad uh, where it caused my eyelid to droop. Mm. So um, my doctor said that they think the tick is PTSD. So I'm like, what I really like uh, about your videos, because I binged watched a little bit of it before coming <laughs> on the show, um, is that you do like whatever, whatever topic, topic it is in 60 seconds or less. You know, so, oh, okay, thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah, that's really neat thank because, you. like, you get a lot of information in a shorter amount of time, and yeah. I mean, that's really what TikTok is for. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and that's so. There were some studies done. I think that's where I kind of like thought about this. You know, look at online training. It's boring. It sucks. It's so much information over like a drawn out period of time. And I think there was, I think like the average attention span is like fifteen seconds. So, and, <laughs> yeah, perfect. Okay. So that's exactly what TikTok is for. Right. So I think, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that I'm reaching the right audience and they're learning something in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, I really hope so. I think I'm um, initially like, you know, not every idea I have is a good idea. I know that. Um, so my first thought was like, you know what? I'm going to do sharp board questions. But that can just go real fast because yeah. you're not having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so, it's just a question and answer. Right. Um, I, I will have another question. So around mm-hmm. the building and the office, do you have do you have pamphlets that go around for people's like for information and stuff? Absolutely. OK. OK. So this is I don't know. Like, is it true that if somebody uh-huh. picks up a pamphlet and y'all see that some pamphlets are missing, then you're just going to do a start like training or whatnot. Cause I remember one time no, and re- this is, this is where it's coming from because yeah. I was at my husband's command in new Orleans right. and there was all this sexual assault, like pamphlets around, around the woman's locker room, around the, the restroom area. And I picked a couple up and he's like, no, don't do that. Cause then they're going to flag it down and say, something's going on in the command and we have to do, we are going to have to do training. Right. So is that's that interesting. True? Um, I would have <laughs> to say that's false. So okay. um, one thing I tried to do here is like have Cool. You know what? I have one thing right here. So like uh, marketing materials. So pamphlets, of course, but have cool marketing materials. So this is, I want cool marketing material because I want it to be useful to people, but I want them to have the information if they need it. So this is like right. a cool little multi-tool. So, so, but it has the DOD safe helpline number and the hotline or the point of contact for my office. So that's what I'm saying. Like in person, people are afraid to pick up the, that information because they think that right. they're going to get bombarded with training. Oh, so yeah. I think that what you're doing with the TikToks, like, hey, check mm-hmm. out my TikTok and you can see, well, this is how you do. This is how you report. This is your, you know, all yeah. your resources that you have. That's great because people are afraid to pick up the pamphlets, you know, so. I totally agree. Kelly, I totally agree with you. And that's the thing, you know, if somebody sees my TikTok, they're they're curious about reporting. They want to know more information. Do that. Yeah. If you don't know who your sexual assault response coordinator is, 
call me and I'll find out or send me a message. I'll find out. Mm-hmm. Kelly, have so you that's, that's what I want to do. Taking those tools, doing a giveaway for some of those tools on your TikTok? So I don't think I can for, um, so for the army promotional stuff, I can't, but what I can do. So what I'd love doing. Okay. It's, it's cool. So I've got, I've got the, but what I can do. Um, so I do like ordering things from other different organizations or just different companies, you know, like different types of prevention stuff. I don't always get good feedback. That's okay. I'm okay with that. So like one of the things I got, um, so I can, I can absolutely start, you know what? I like that idea. So I'm going to do that. So I just thank think you. like in order to grow your audience, what thing, are you looking at? Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just thinking, I mean, cause I'm like, yeah. I'm constantly like thinking about right. creation and stuff. Right. If you don't like this, you can totally just forget. I said it. No, but, I, I love the idea. Uh, you know, if you have something like that, then yeah. you could kind of a mat, if it's like super cheap for you, you know I mean? You don't want to be spending crazy yeah. amount of money or if you can right. approved or something like that. And, you know, give away so many of them and just be like, Hey, this is free. Um, all you gotta do is follow me like this video and, you know, tag a friend or something like that. Yeah, no, I think that's an awesome idea. Like that will kind of help grow your audience for that. And then, you know, if you are especially targeting to female veterans, I feel like that could potentially really grow and, you know, people always love free stuff. So very true. Um, I mean, just, just one thing I'm kind of speaking about it. <laughs> no, I, I love that idea. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, follow. I got a comment. I want that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so whatever. I was going to say there was a, this was a few months ago. I think I posted some stickers. Yes. Some stickers from the NSVRC, a great organization. And uh, one of the girls was like, oh, I'd love one of those stickers. I'm like, Hey, if you like, I can send you one. I have an extra. So yeah. So I love that idea. Um, some places, you know, I love that. I'm, I'm going to send, I'm going to send you stuff now. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, so like, there's some, and I'll do some. a TikTok and I'll tag you and be like, there we go. Yeah. Everybody is from Cali. So, but there's some, you know, great preventative type tools that are out there. Um, there was one, I thought the concept was just awesome. So like, remember the choose your own adventure books as a kid? Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's a pleasurepie.org has the choose your own consensual adventure. I did video on it. I loved it. So like choose your own consensual adventure book. Yeah. So like legit walks just like those books as a kid or a teenager. So I'm like, man, that is so innovative. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. Like I want to do things that are going to, what appeals to me might not appeal to the younger audience. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to make sure that I'm really, really connecting with. Um, I ordered, there's two different types. Have you seen the My Cup condoms? I've seen your video on it. What is so that? Like, I thought that was kind of a cool thing, you yeah. know, but then there's, you know, you're always going to have negative responses. That's absolutely fine. Right. You know, and like, there's some perceptions, which absolutely, I, I respect what you have to say. Now, okay, great. Just another damn thing a woman needs to prevent somebody from sexually assaulting them. Mm-hmm. Man, you know what? Yeah, I respect your opinion and I understand that. But, you know, you, I'm not telling you that you have to do this. Right. It's right. Just you know, if it's, yeah, 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 to know that we have options, but still nothing is 100% preventable. Right. 
because I mean, yeah. I was, I was drugged at least, at least once in Korea. Yeah. Um, just wasn't ever something that I thought about, even though they warned you right. about it. Right. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about some of the prevention steps that you teach. And then I want to go into something else after that really quickly. I want to ask you about, yeah, of course. Um, but let's talk about some of, some of those prevention things, knowing after you just said, like, it's never a hundred percent, you know, but what are some things that, that yeah. people can look out for and just be careful for when they're out and about? Yeah. So I wish I, I wish I had the flyer with me, but, um, so the big thing is, is that we have to keep the conversation going number one. And it, if you're not having, um, I don't want to say like intelligent conversation, but if you're not keeping that, it's just like consent. If, if we're not keeping that conversation going, it's going to die quick, you know, cause you look at training, like, okay, here's the definition of sexual assault. This is what consent is. You know, that conversation is going to die quick unless we keep it relevant, you know? Mm -hmm. So you, you just get fatigued, right? So the big thing like with the army right now is bystander intervention, but how many times can we teach bystander intervention before it's just another class that you have a whole room of students falling asleep in, mm -hmm. you know? So I think everything needs to be based on conversation. You know, stop talking at me and let's just have a conversation, yeah. you know? And I think just my opinion, scenario-based learning is one of the better things to do, mm -hmm. you know? And I think the army is trending in that right direction where training is definitely moving towards, okay, you know, um, it, it is the bar scene or it is in the barracks, it is in a hotel, you know, what would you do in this situation? You know, how are you going to intervene? You know, do you even see that this is potentially a problem? Mm -hmm. You know, when you see, you know, I don't want to put gender into it. So we can do the whole gender thing that, okay, most reported sexual assaults in the military are female victims and male perpetrators, not all. So I just want to make sure that's clear because that's one of the biggest things right from the bat. Like, oh, you lose training if you just talk, if you're suggesting women as victims. Yes, men are sexually assaulted too. Absolutely. Um, but it's a matter of having that conversation, you know, does it look wrong? Is this wrong? And if, uh, if somebody can't identify it, let's have that conversation about what could potentially happen if we don't have some type of intervention, mm -hmm. you know, and when we're educating people on intervention, it doesn't mean like you have to jump in with a, was it, was it, was it fist punch? What is it called? Throat punch. Throat punch. Throat punch. I don't know. <laughs> Monday. Oh yeah. Throw punch, punch. Throw punch. One of those, you know, you, you don't have to jump in right away with that throat punch. Like it intervention all kinds of punches. Fruit. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but, and I think that's a big thing. Just, you know, we can stop things from happening. Um, it, it could be a throat punch that stops a situation or it could be something simple. Hey dude, do that. What you're about to do is really freaking stupid. So I highly suggest you cut it out. Yeah. So that correction is going to be much better than a jail sentence. Right. Yeah. But when you're talking about bystander intervention, yeah. though, does that get muddy as well? Because, okay, I, I feel like, you know, some of the time, of course, you know, a lot more of the stats than I do, obviously, but some of the time I feel like the night might start out like you're having a good time together. 
And then one person is like, eh, I'm going to end the night. Right. right. Uh, like they, maybe they never intended for it to go past talking at the bar, but they're just yeah. getting in the bar. Right. Right. Um, but they're having a good time chit chatting at the bar. So as a bystander, like, Hey, I don't like this guy. I mean, I just, I think back about conversations that I've had with like my girlfriends at the bar where yeah. you're like, chill, I'm good. I'm good. Leave me alone. I'm having a good time over here. Right. Um, oh yeah. Get muddy like that. You know what? I, I think so. And, uh, I actually use an example of this. This was back when I was a private, um, you know, like, of course, you know, brand new private, you know, I was barracks bait before barracks meat, fresh meat, whatever the hell they call it these days. But, um, I had a friend of mine who moved to the same duty location and I didn't want her to get treated like that. But mm-hmm. what of course do I do as a dumbass private? Not all privates are dumbasses. <laughs> I was, um, <laughs> but, um, so I go to a party, of course I'm, I was drinking underage. I'm not going to be the one to say that I never did anything wrong. Sure as hell did. Uh, definitely was drinking underage. Uh, we both were. And then I saw my friend walk into a room with a guy. So I'm like, da, 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 da. right. Bystander intervention. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she's like, you know, fuck off cop blocker. I'm like, okay. Right. You know, and that's, you know, and that's, you know, that's honestly something that like, I, I do think about even 20 some odd years later, I think about that. Cause I'm like, man, you know what? Like she said, fuck off. So I fucked off, right. you know, but did something that she didn't want happen to her. Mm-hmm. And then maybe she felt guilty afterwards or blamed herself because she <sighs> you start it. Yeah. So let's let's go there and let's, cause we have a little bit about like, um, not, not victim blaming, but blaming yourself when you're in that situation. Right. Because the three of us all said we did some form of that after our own. Let's, let's address those victims, uh, victors in this situation who may be struggling with that. like, what, is your advice and this is this is going to be like shit advice you know and like it's 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 god it's just you know it's such a difficult thing that you know i want you to put every preventive measure possible into place i would really encourage you to do that but can't ever guarantee that something's not going to happen to you. But remember, you try to prevent this, you know? So with all these preventive measures in place, how can it really be your fault if you try to prevent it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a really hard thing to really resonate on, you know? And we talk about, you know, there's, you know, we can go down the rabbit hole when it comes to drinking, you know, with, with my case, I was drinking, you know, but I thought I was in a safe environment. So that, that could be a preventative step, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like I was around, I had a battle buddy. I was around people I knew and trusted. Um, I felt safe getting shit faced because I, I was around people I knew and trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I felt like I had all these positive control measures and something bad still happened. You know, I I wish we lived in a world where we could say, if you do X, Y, and Z, nothing's going to happen to you. But if it does, like, if it does, I just want people to know that, like, there's people that believe you, that trust you, and that are willing to listen. I think that's a huge thing. People believe you. Because yeah. a lot of times people are like, what? Why? What do you mean? You know, like, no, right. people believe you that it's happened because yeah. in all honesty, rapers are going to rape, period. Right. Like you can do all yeah. whatever you want to prevent and- it, but you can't. You, a raper is, is a person who's going to commit a crime is going to commit a crime, you know. Yeah. And, that you know, that's the thing, you know, like I felt like, you know, with my case, you know, every every victim or survivor's experience is going to be different, you know? Um, but like, I thought it was so freaking smart, you know, and it still freaking happened. So, you don't know, no, I'm not going to freaking blame myself. Well, and there's a theme amongst the three of us here. Yeah. Like we're all very strong, right. Independent, like no nonsense, like don't take your BS women, you know? And so right. like, before it happened to me, I thought that there was only like weak-minded or maybe, maybe not necessarily. You're super vulnerable. And that's not the case. And if that happens to you, regardless of what kind of person that you are, um, you know, just know that it still isn't your fault. You know, like I was so angry at myself. Like, how could I let this happen? Well, I didn't let it happen. Right. Right. It happens. And I I just want people to know that if you have been through that, like I recommend lots of therapy. Oh yeah. (laughs) Lots of therapy. Don't watch the news, like take yourself out of any sort of situation that you possibly can, that takes you back to that place. Right. Um, and surround yourself with people that you love and trust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I really want to hammer home. And I know that if anybody is listening and, and still is struggling with that guilt or feeling like it's their fault, you know, we can't take that away, unfortunately, right. but, you know, just continue working on the fact that it is not your fault. And, you know, people, love you and understand that. And, you know, people that blame you have some serious issues of their own to do with you. Now there's, um, I don't know if, and I'll highly recommend this video, um, short little video, but you know, we all, there's many of us have struggled, you know, struggle with blaming ourselves for an assault. Um, there's a great video. It's called James is dead on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen that before. Um, but it does, uh, like you definitely got to look it up, um, but it does a, it's a great way of showing that, you know, like this sounds freaking ridiculous. How can James, I'm not going to spoil the whole video, but essentially, you know, like James getting murdered is not his fault. So um, I think this is a, I think this is a robbery, the video uh, it's, it's a cartoon. So Mm, I honestly like it better than the tea consent video. So definitely worth checking out. And to me, like that video really kind of stuck with me a little bit, you know, and looking at these different situations or, or crimes, mm-hmm. you know, sexual assault, rape, that's the only one where the victim or survivor is put on the stand. 
bullshit. Right. And that's something that, you know, I, I hope changes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm, I'm not very hopeful that it ever will. And that's you why know, a lot of people I, don't come forward because yeah. they don't want to face right. the perpetrator. They don't want to testify. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. way too difficult to relive that. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm hopeful that advocacy and support for victims and survivors are, are going to get better. Absolutely. But I'm just not hopeful that uh, those affected by sexual trauma, you know, I don't think they will, will ever get to a point where they don't once reflect and think that it was their fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope we get there. But yeah. no. Mm. Well, I mean, I do think we've got a long road ahead of us. Do you Absolutely. think that we have made any strides in the right direction? I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about like things that are legislation that's being passed and right. stuff since um, death. So I think we're taking small steps in the right direction, but there's also times where what is that Paula Bill song? Those younger, those younger ones. Yeah, that one. So yeah, yeah, one step forward and two steps back, right? So I feel like we definitely do that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I will definitely say I love the Sharp program. I do, but anything, you know, nothing in this world is perfect. So there's always going to be that that room for improvement. But I look at, you know, absolutely, I think it was brought up earlier about the legislation for the state of Texas with the I'm Vanessa Guillen Act, step in the right direction. Okay, so that's going to cover your National Guard soldiers. Awesome. Great move. Uh, there has been, I don't know, say, I guess you'd call it policy um, with the Army. Now for uh, sexual harassment cases in the Army, they will not be investigated by somebody inside that brigade. They have to be outsourced. Great change. Because you have your IO, your investigating officer, who could be friends with somebody or, you know, they're, they're not impartial. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great move. Yeah. Um, we still have a lot of ways to go. I honestly don't remember the number of, oh, goodness. So there were two different uh, independent review committees. So there's the independent review committee from Fort Hood. And then there was also the independent review committee on, was it military sexual trauma or I can't remember if it was just the army. Um, So there's so many, I think collectively there's over a hundred recommendations from that. Mm -hmm. And that is not going to happen overnight. Right. Um, Right. There's, I was going to say, there's also, they have the people's first task force, which is uh, the army thing, army, army big initiative right now. Um, and a lot of that, you know, it's all based off of readiness and sexual trauma, sexual harassment, sexual assault is part of that readiness piece. So it's going to be interesting to see what changes we have upcoming uh, because of these two independent review committees. Mm-hmm. And I think on a, like maybe on a personal level, um, and I was super guilty of this myself and looking back on it, I'm ashamed. I'm very ashamed of it. But even after my assaults, like I not like I put up with all sorts of inappropriate comments, um, not only to me, um, but around me. And I made, I made a lot of yes. comments. Right. And I, I did that to, that was like my, 
my bipolar disorder, right? I was like, just saying, for me, it was a walker. Yeah. Right. Like, this is what will protect me, which mm-hmm. actually, looking back, being that way drew more of that crap to me, like looking back. But at yeah. the time, I did it to protect myself. So I would just say, you know, be aware of the conversations that are around you and just don't put up with it. You know, if you're the type right. of person that's like, uh-uh, I'm not having that kind of talk around me, then I think that is going to be the biggest butterfly effect for the military, really, because Absolutely. all the legislation and all that stuff is going to take a long time. And I know that especially with the army, we've, we have all those good old boys. And so even if a chain of command maybe doesn't agree with something that somebody did, if they're buddies, they're more likely to sweep it under the rug. I mean, I can't even think about how many times I saw people with DUIs, like get a slap on the wrist and fine. And then some other people got DUIs and got kicked out, you know? So, um, I think like, in my opinion and looking back on it and I'm speaking from shame, you know, (laughs) and reproach that, you know, if you just do your best to like not put up with any sort of that banter around you, then that is going to help at the lowest level. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. There's a, I have to, I have to send you a copy, but there's this cool little chart that we have. Um, it's, I think it's the continuum of harm. And uh, it talks about like, at what point do we say something? And it's hello, as early as possible. Right. Absolutely. And you know what? I was guilty of the same crap. You know, just I looked at and I I think I mentioned to you about the In Her Boots book before, but they have some really, really great talking points in it. You know, like, am I projecting myself how I want to be received? Mm -hmm. You know, do I do I want people to see me as a little bit quirky? But hey, she's got some really great points. Yes. Am I projecting that image? Um, and the other piece of it was, you know, there's so many women, uh, that were that either currently serving or, um, veterans that we used it like, okay, well, you know what, if I'm going to be respected in the military, I need to act like a dude. Right. I'm one of the guys. And heck yeah. I'm going to be, uh, going to be a total tomboy. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we don't have to, we can still be feminine and still do our damn jobs and still follow those army values, abide by army ethics and live by soldiers creed and the CEO creed, all that good stuff. But that was something I really fell into. I looked at it like a defense mm-hmm. that if I act like a dude, then I'm, they're going <laughs> to, they're going to stay away from me. And I remember I brought this up uh, when I was in school in Kansas that, um, you know, like, heck yeah, I was guilty because you know what? a male soldier would say something crude and I called it the topic game. Okay. So that, that's just what I called it. Yeah. So a male soldier would say something crude in the office and I would say something even more crude. Mm-hmm. It shut them up. Right. Yeah. But that's just mm-hmm. a very elementary way of thinking about things. There's better ways to intervene. Or, so. and a lot of those guys, like they were talking like that, you yeah. know, that you think you're cool. Right. So it kind of lets you in the crowd when you're right. Trying- like you're so outnumbered by all mm-hmm. these guys and it lets you in the crowd because it's like, oh, you don't have to watch what you say around her. Right. But I'm speaking to the men too, you know, yeah. like 
And I mean, that, that's one thing that it actually always surprised me that my husband would, he's never put up with that kind of talk. Like when women are around, you know, I'm not saying that he's never, you know, I mean, he, he was a horn dog before we met. Okay. <laughs> but so I'm not trying to like make him out into the saint, but yeah. he would always be nothing but respectful around women. And he would never, ever get into that game. And I mean, I think really he, he never wanted anybody like, accusing him of something, you know, yeah. was thing, but yeah. he didn't put up with it from other people. If, if females talk to him a certain way, he would shut them down. If guys talk to a certain way around other females, like he would shut them down. And so right. the men have a responsibility as well, which would help us to not be the bitches, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really use yeah. that support. Um, which I know that like the guys of veteran trash talk have always said that they've never put up with that sort of thing either. So I really think that it is the environments of like non-combat arms where, you know, men and women see each other work together right. a lot more than yeah. the areas where men are by themselves. But. Or, well, for me, I, I can't relate to the tomboy thing. I've always been feminine, but I've always been a bitch. Like everyone always <laughs> said I had an RBF. So you said some shit to me. I said some sh- right back. Like, right, no, you're yeah. not going to talk to me like that. Or no, you, well, you need to fix your uniform. Or I'll say something like, you know, like, and that's what I noticed is that I just turned into a major huge bitch that like we're not yeah. unapproachable like I always found fault in something you know and right. that's also you know a, a defense mechanism so. absolutely. absolutely but yeah it, I agree with you Leah that uh, men also have a, a responsibility so absolutely yeah and I think I absolutely think together you know to stop it at the lowest level and just be like nope that's not appropriate we're not gonna have that kind of talk around here right you know? yeah and that's um, what, something as simple, like something as simple as that, I think would work. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's always, every time I've heard it, uh, it's always shut everybody down. Like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> <Yep>. um, <laughs> absolutely. And, yeah. you know, I love it because even something as simple as that, and, you know, I think where we went wrong earlier on is that, you know, like when you look at, I'll, I'll just go back to sharp training, like, oh, well, sexual harassment, sexual assault, incompatible with the army values, they degrade mission readiness, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, when I'm telling somebody to knock it off, just just say knock it off. Right. Or something as simple as what you said. Because what is not going to work sure. is that whole, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially you like, if it's three out of four women and one out of 100 men in the military, yeah. that is way too high of a number. That is a national security issue right there because that affects yeah. that affects mission readiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. Definitely like has to be harped on and trained about when it comes mm-hmm. to mission readiness. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, I actually, I had a soldier, I'm, I'm remembering this. I had a soldier in Korea that... She would talk about her boyfriend. She had a boyfriend where we were and she had a boyfriend further south in Korea. Yeah. And she's like, well, I hope my boyfriend and, you know, wherever in Seoul doesn't come up this weekend because I'm with my boyfriend here. And um, <laughs> that boyfriend like bit me on the back and made marks. And she's like telling the guys this in the office, you know. And so I actually did pull her aside, even though I wasn't perfect myself. But I did right. try to always 
good leader, but I would be like, Hey, listen, like you don't need to be having those. That's very personal. And you don't need right. to be having those conversations. Like those guys are going to disrespect you and they're not going to see you as an equal and see you as somebody who's competent at your job. Like you, you need to knock that off. And she'd be like, okay. And she would just keep doing it. Keep going. And well, it's, you point, know, it's like, I don't know. You got to keep a professional environment. You got to you know, no. if it's at work, you know, you keep it professional. If it's outside of work, that's something different. But if it's in the workspace, that needs to. Yeah. And I think it's just that, you know, it's become like more of a social norm to be inappropriate. Yeah. You know, and that's where like, how do we go back on that? And, you know, like I actually had a conversation with my boss. Um, probably it might have been the beginning of this week. And I freaking loved what he said so much. And I don't know if somebody else has said this before, you know, like, I'm not going to quote him exactly because I don't remember the exact words, but he said, like, we're going to continue to have a problem in the military until we address sexual harassment and sexual assault like we do a damn uniform correction. Mm -hmm. You know, like, how Mm -hmm. quick are we in the service to say, like, get a freaking haircut? You know, right. Yeah, exactly. Anymore, but that dates me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) But when we see like these inappropriate behaviors that could progress, Mm -hmm. could progress to something criminal, we just walk on by. Right. Like that's to me, like when he put it in that perspective, I'm like, damn. Yeah. You know what? You're right. You know, we're so quick to tell somebody to shave, shave your beard, your hair's touching your collar where we can't say, Hey, what you're doing right now is inappropriate. Right. Back in my day, we had some training where we would tell the person, Hey, shipmate, that's red light behavior. That nice. is red light. Yeah. You need to stop. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. Yeah. And then it became a joke. Oh, shipmate, that's a red light behavior. You need mm. to stop. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, we have the same so. thing. You no, know, we have the same thing in the army. They're like, oh, you're going to get sharp. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. is your behavior inappropriate? Because then maybe you will, you know, sharp is not a verb anyway. See, I, I, wish, I, I know this might be controversial, but, mm-hmm. you know, when I was stationed in California, I was chosen to be because I was like the token white girl for this. <laughs> Uh, for like the army's birthday, like celebration. And I, um, represented a Korean war nurse. And so I put on like the uniform. Wait, so you culture appropriated a Korean war nurse? Oh, for the Americans, like in the, right. Like a nurse in the Korean war. Um, Oh, I got you. U.S. Army. Ah, okay. So sorry. you were not dressed up as a Korean no. woman. So okay. as I was dressed up as a U.S. Like Army waves or whack. Yeah. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So, and we did like this little thing. Right. And so all these different like parts of the military were represented for that. Right. And I felt so confident and feminine because I had like these cute boots on and this dress, you know, like the, the nurse's dress. Yeah. I felt amazing. And I thought, you know what? I really wish we still had like back in the day when the women in the army used yeah, to have women nurses course. Through, yeah. yeah. They'd have to go through like makeup classes and etiquette, and, like different things. Like, I mean, I think that it should be appropriate to the age that we're in, but yeah. 
I think that that would be beneficial for us to be like, Hey, this is how you can behave. And not to say you can't be tough still or do like hard things. Yeah. Um, I think I was going to say when I was on the trail, we did more hygiene stuff, but yeah, I mean, I just felt like by, you know, embodying that part of like the army, it was like, res- I respected myself more. And so right. I demanded more yeah. respect that day. Does that make like, it's like, yeah, no, it does. To that. yeah. And- I, you know, it's, I do like that idea, but I see why it could be so controversial these days. Right. Right. You know, so now we're not looking at, you know, we're not genderizing at, it now. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> and I remember uh, I was still in the service when they started doing the transgender integration. Um, and when we went through all that training. Um, so I, I do like the idea of it, but it's not, you know, I just don't see it something flying now. Right. Right. You know? I just, I yeah. think like. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to gender stuff, but yeah. Like um, how do you have self-respect? You know, this, I I, I think maybe you can teach self-respect without genderizing something. Maybe. Right. Something, something individual values. Yeah. Yeah. But but it was, I, I thought it was a pretty, like, it was a really cool experience and I loved just being able to feel because when I was in Iraq, I bought a pair of crazy looking high heels. <laughs> I was like, and I was, I've always been a tomboy, but I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I just want something girly for the love of God. Like right? somebody yeah. help me. And so sometimes like people would walk in cause we had a little common area in our room and people would walk in and I'm like walking around in my uniform and heels. <laughs> yeah. And they'd be nice. like, what are we doing? And I'm like, you're in my room. Get out of my business. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I think we all, we all did kind of funky stuff like that. I had like neon blue Barbie shower shoes or something. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. Like you just need something like not so masculine. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think, um, like we can still be respectful and, you know, and that's the thing, you know, I'm female. I identify as female lady parts, whatever. I'm not super PC on that. Um, but, um, Mm -hmm. and that's one thing like with me, I liked being feminine, but that's where, like, I felt like, you know, if you're in the army, there are no gender roles. You just got to act like a dude, you know, um, to a certain, to a certain degree. Um, but that's something, you know, like I wanted to feel good, even, you know, when I was in the service, when appropriate, obviously if I'm not in the field, I did wear makeup. I did my hair decent. You know, I had it in a, in the fancy bun with a little squishy spongy thing. A sock bun. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I liked doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt very put together mm-hmm. and professional. We shouldn't be punished for looking feminine or wanting to be feminine. And I think that's the point that you guys are trying to hone in is that it doesn't matter how we look, you know, there needs to be training that says, okay, if she wants to look this way or he wants to look this way or they, whatever they, them, there wants to identify as. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you can sexually assault them. Absolutely. That doesn't right. mean yep. that it's an open door like, hey, come rape me. I'm looking like right. a girl, you know. So yeah, I think absolutely. that's a big deal. Like you don't have to act male, masculine. You don't have to act feminine. Yes. Like what, however way you act is, I mean, it should not affect your job. 
like you said, like regardless, all our jobs are genderless roles. You know, all the jobs are open to all genders. So that should not affect your work at all. But unfortunately, there's some people out there who think that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why there's that training. But (laughs) um, ladies, we're kind of getting a little bit over time. So Leah, I'm going to go ahead and turn it to you and um, ask for summaries. Summaries after all this? Yes, we're at summary (laughs) All right. So listen up, everybody. I want you to go and connect with Kelly on TikTok. Kelly, is there uh, there any other place that you'd like to be? You would want anybody to connect with you or is TikTok the main um, so I, it's a, it's the same content on TikTok and Instagram. What's so. your username? <laughs> Kelly Desart on both. She's Kelly okay. Desart. So go check her out. Make sure you follow her. If you have questions, uh, SARC related and, or if you need to be connected with somebody in your area, then make sure that you can reach out to her and she will help you in that area. Otherwise she has a ton of great information there. And just know number one, that we started at the lowest level don't put up with any BS in your level. And if there's talk going around or you just shut it down. And if something happens, you turn out to be a victim of a sexual assault, know that it is not your fault. And there are people that want to help you and want to hear you and believe you. So Lynn, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to you. All right. Well, we didn't get any final words from Miss Kelly. Go ahead and give us your final words or any um, advice or last thoughts. No, no, absolutely. Thank you both so much for having me on this evening. And I guess my last words would be that uh, I'm sure all of us are here for you. Okay. We're, we are here. Um, If you feel, if you want to connect, please absolutely connect. And if you are affected by any type of sexual trauma, whether it's sexual harassment or sexual assault, if you're apprehensive about talking to anybody, at least know that a military chaplain or a healthcare provider has confidentiality. So, but there are some disclosures with medical personnel. I want to say but. for veterans, um, when I got out in 2010, and then I got right back in like in the end of 2010, but I got out and I went to VA, there was no MST clinic. So for veterans, there is an MST clinic. Now, unfortunately, we have an MST clinic. So you are able to go and seek help that way. So if you're not active duty, the VA is there for you. There's more resources out there now for women than there are before. Um, And always reach out to community. So we are here from Veterans Trash Talk, VTT. Um, Like and follow our page, VTT Throat Punch Mondays. Um, It's... We're here all the time on social media. Leah's on social media. She's on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and TikTok. <laughs> and, um, and I'm out there. So reach out whenever you want. And I'm going to go ahead and close us out. And women, remember that you are 10% of the 10%. So don't let anyone tell you because you're a woman that your service wasn't as hard or as important. We are your voice and you will be heard. So thanks so much for tuning in to Throat Punch Monday. Thank you, Kelly, for joining us. Until next time, guys. See ya.